exciting news. Yes. It is launch week around these parts. So our Wayman Unlimited onboarding coaching program is now open for enrollment. If you are a digital creator who's looking to add more predictability, more profit, and more peace into your business, our Wayman Unlimited program is here to help you. Through our monthly onboarding coaching sessions, we'll remove the overwhelm of growing your business and give you specific marketing tactics to focus on each month so you can grow, but at a sustainable pace. Because we're all steady, about... Steady. Slow growth around here. We take a slow and steady approach to running a calm business so you can reach your business goals without sacrificing your well-being. By the way, also included in Wayman Unlimited is a lifetime account to our core software, Tea Tree, which is the most customizable and brandable course platform on the market. You also get access to a member favorite group accountability system we call Wayme of Stones. That's Please right. don't sue us, Game of Thrones. <laughs> where we blend fun and action taking together in our weekly Wayme Slack community through doing some accountability and sharing our goals, getting our tasks done every single week. That's right. If you are interested in joining Wayman Unlimited, head to wanderingaimfully.com slash join to learn more and get all the details. And just as a reminder, the doors will be open until March 26th. Welcome to What Is It All For? A podcast designed to help you grow your online business and pursue a spacious, satisfying life at the same time. We're your hosts, Jason and Caroline Zook, and we run Wandering Aimfully, an unboring business coaching program. Every week, we bring you advice and conversations to return you to your most intentional self and to help you examine every aspect of your life and business by asking, what is it all for? Thanks for listening, and now let's get into the show. And I'm here too. (laughs) You sound like you're from London. Okay. We're not in London. Mm Mm-mm. But we are talking about our time in England. England. Jolly old. United Kingdom. Jolly old. Jolly old. Ooh, I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, everybody, for your uh, luscious feedback on last week's <laughs> announcement of us. The feedback was luscious. It was. It Some, was pretty. It was pretty. Pretty, pretty luscious. luscious. <laughs> uh, we're moving to Portugal. If you missed that episode, you need to go back and listen to last week's episode. Mm-hmm. We're going to keep you posted. Got a handful of emails from, you know, we have seven people listening to this podcast, so obviously mm-hmm. you're not going to get mm-hmm. a ton of emails. Mm-hmm. But got enough emails that we will definitely keep you posted on the process. Oh, yeah. And what that's going to look like. Because literally, since we recorded that episode, things have already shifted. Things have already changed. It doesn't yeah. mean we're not, go- we're obviously still we're moving. Gone. Yeah. But I'm just saying like. Things are in flux. They're in flux, but we've signed the lease. We have signed the lease. So it's like, we'll get to it. Do we need to do a new segment? A new Pram Bell. The Visa Bell? Bell. Pram Gold? Pram Ugol? Portugal Pram? Portugal That one feels the best. Portugal Pram. Portugal Pram. We'll see. If you hear a little bit of a cough from me, I apologize. We're actually, we'll talk more about that. In next week's Pram Bell. He doesn't have COVID. I don't have COVID. Just uh, it's unrelated. still got to say that. Yeah. Um, all right. So Pram Bell, we uh, spent a bunch of time in England. I actually looked back. I didn't realize it was like two and a half months that we spent. In the United Kingdom. In the United Kingdom. Excuse me. Yes. yes. Uh, it was about a month in yeah. England. Yeah. But it was, a, it was a good amount of time. So oh, yeah. we've already talked about some of that. But in this specific episode, we wanted to talk about meeting another Waymer. Uh-huh. Which is super fun. A Wayner, some might say. Oh. <laughs> I don't like it. Uh, getting down to the south of England, uh-huh. and then your number one Airbnb, Airbnb of the year. So far, yeah. What are we at as far as how many places we've oh, stayed? Do Jason. you know? Like 25? Oh, no. We're in the 30s. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. So number one of, let's just call it 30 for round numbers, mm-hmm. so far in Carol's list. I'll tell list. you why. 
All right, let's start with uh, meeting up with one yeah. of our so winners. I think where we last left you off, we had changed Airbnbs. We moved to a little place called Waddington outside of Clitheroe. And then we had to basically make our way down to the more south of England. I mean, the south of England. The south yeah. of England, because this really cool place that we had booked. These are like two of the first Airbnbs we booked on the these entire trip. The we booked first. them literally last year yeah. in 2021. So we had to make our way down to Rye and Kent and Kent. Yes. Um, and so somehow we had to get from like North England to South England. Well, central England. Yeah. It felt like North England, but really where we were was like it central was. England. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. from central to South. Yeah. And so what we, and also those of you listening know that I don't do that well in the car. So we were also looking for ways to break up that long drive. Yes. So we decided we'll stop sort of halfway in a little town called Tunnam because yeah. we found we wanted to stay just like one night in a hotel. And so Jason and I go like the amount of times I've searched for a boutique hotel in yes. is oh, yeah. so many. Yeah. And so we try to find these like independent hotels that are just cool and have like a unique something thing, different. Something You're always different. looking for something different. Yeah. So we found this cool little hotel called yeah. Tunnam Mill. Yep. And it's just almost I don't even know how to describe it. It almost the rooms have like not a motel feel, but they're sort of like they're just very simple. They're very simple, and I just mean like they're it's more of an outdoor hotel. Yeah, the rooms you have these buildings, and then like the restaurant is in a separate building. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, but it's in this like lush greenery kind of woodsy type of place. Yep. And so um, we drove there. Yeah. And stayed overnight. We ate there. I have to say. Also, a reason why we picked this hotel is their food looked incredible, yeah, and yeah. it really lived up to the hype. It did. It was incredible food. Um, I did better on the drive than I thought I did. Oh, they also, in our room, because we picked like the suite that had more space. Yeah, so I'll was, just talk about the rooms for a second, because yeah, the rooms are actually choice. a really interesting part of this hotel. Yeah. So they have kind of your normal run-of-the-mill hotel room. Okay. Ha-ha. <laughs> okay. Then they had these little pods. There were like these outdoor yeah. pods that were essentially like a rectangle, but wrapped in a circle, if you can envision that. <laughs> but the weird thing was, is they had no windows. So if you didn't have the door open, you basically got only artificial light. It's going to be a no for going to be a no for Carol. Me. Yeah. But the other thing they had were these quote unquote loft suites. And it, it wasn't necessarily a loft because you're not walking up from inside a house. That's what I consider a loft. A loft is a space where you walk up from inside a house and you get to another part I of the like house. I feel like people get a little bit uh, liberal with the use of the word loft when yeah. it's like a vaulted ceiling with beams. Or it's just like a second floor. They're like, oh, welcome to my loft. I'm like, nah. It's, it's just a floor. It's just a floor. It's just another floor. But anyway, this was a floor. <laughs> uh, but it was it was a really cool layout. The fun part about it, so nice big open layout, big couch, had a big beanbag chair, a big old bathtub right in the middle of the room. But the funny thing about this room was, what we're pooping out in the open. Oh, that's There's right. There's not a door, that's right. and the walls were like like three quarters height to that's the room. Right. So there's not a single closed space. Everything we is do open. Have a recurring segment on our year trip, which is let's poop close. Poop poop open. Let's poop close. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not something we really ever did before. We always had like a dedicated bathroom. In what world are you saying it's not something we really ever did before? Like because we, I know 100%. couples hundred percent. Because I know couples who like will brush their teeth and the other person will be pooping in oh, the same bathroom. That's fine. That's good for them. But I'm just saying the way that you did not say that definitively, like we definitely were a behind closed doors in a separate room poopers. Yeah, for sure. We know do that each think, other poops. Do you feel closer? Do you feel do you feel uh, like the romance is gone? Oh, I don't. Aww, no. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. But anyway, this was just a fun experience because there were, you know, like we're there for 
36 hours, 24 hours. I don't even know how long we were there mm-hmm. for, but obviously nature called both of us. And <laughs> I took the call outside. You didn't want to take the call outside. You took the call on the couch and turned your music up real loud, which wasn't great for me. I'm going to be honest. I would have rather you'd gone outside. I was like, I don't want to go outside. Yeah. And you were like, well, I would like to poop yeah. without knowing that you're three feet from me. Yeah. You're too and close. And I was like, no, nah, man. You're too close. Uh, so anyway, the, the hotel was great. Uh, we really you know, enjoyed the room. Again, perfect stop. Right along the drive. It was a six-hour drive that we broke in half, essentially. Mm-hmm. And the best part of it was... The best part of it was the next day, we woke up and we had a lunch date with a lovely Waymer and friend of ours, Wayne, yes. and his lovely partner, Chris. Yeah, they drove and out, met us an hour. They live an hour uh, east of where we were. And we just, the four of us, just had a hoot and holler, didn't we? We really did. We ate. There was like this little, uh, it's called Tippy by the Stream, mm-hmm. is the name of their little outdoor restaurant that's in this big tent. Mm-hmm. And it was adorable. Adorable. Uh, the only part of it that I didn't love, and what? this is just like a criticism of just like... Wayne hum- specifically. I'm humans being dumb humans is... Oh. It's us, the yeah. four of us mm-hmm. eating at a table mm-hmm. inside this tent. Mm-hmm. There is room inside this tent for, I would say, 80 people. There mm-hmm. are at least 20 other tables. Mm-hmm. A group of 12 comes in mm-hmm. with like three screaming children. That's totally fine. I'm, I'm happy they that scream. those people can exist as well. Yeah. I get it. They sat right behind us. Uh-huh. And I get it. Like, you know, people want to, you want to keep everybody close. So like the wait staff doesn't go far, but like, we're the only people in there. Why were we sitting right next to everybody? That was the only part of it that was just like a little bit like, That's come really on. That's really funny. It didn't even occur to me. No. You were just were lost just, in Wayne's eyes. I was lost in Wayne's eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, He's a lovely human. They're both very beautiful people. Yeah. Um, so we had a great time. Yeah. And that was a highlight. And it really helped also distract me from the fact that we were going to have to get on the road. Do you remember? Actually, I'm now just remembering that next leg was our really bad drive. They all. Because remember, honestly, no, it was, gonna, the, it was the roundabout I'm going to have some home. real talk about driving in the UK. It's not great. It's not great. It's not great. And I'm not trying to be offensive to anybody in the UK because there's a lot of places driving in the US that are also not great. Yeah. But having driven now in like three or four countries in Europe, UK, you're at the bottom of the list, my it friend. Was, it's I'm so not sorry. been great. Yeah. Um, that was the roundabout from hell when we oh, got. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. Because we were going from central to south, we had to kind of pass through like around London. Yeah. And so the closer we got to London, even though we were trying to not go in the most direct routes, at one point it's just gridiron is that the right thing Grid, sure, di- sure bumper to bumper traffic sure. but we're like now inching into a roundabout a three lane wide roundabout and like a semi truck is trying to like inch through oh, this roundabout and, and honestly, people are honking like, it was just three terrible. lane roundabout doesn't even describe the fact that somehow it became like six lanes wide yeah. it's not supposed to be no 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 people Everyone's were just, just trying to inch in. Oh, and like ridiculous. there's honking and Jason and I at this point are just laughing because we refuse to get stressed out also that's what this whole episode is about but we just went when we reach a level of stress where we're like, we could easily just be at each other's throats right now, our like our coping mechanism is just to laugh at the absurdity of what's happening. And so people are honking at us and we are just dying laughing. We're just like, I don't know what you want me to do. Yeah. And also like none of us are moving anywhere. So yeah. you can be as upset and honk you all you want. You can be so mad. There's nowhere for anyone to go. What could I do better? Yeah. Uh, okay. So that drive, we finally did make it uh, down to our first stop in the south of England, which was Rye. Uh-huh. And this was our, I will describe it as our chic designer award-winning renovated ambulance house Airbnb. Which was 
stupid expensive. It was the most expensive Airbnb per night that we have booked or will book for this entire year. Mm -hmm. uh, I found this Airbnb very on in our search. Like Caroline mentioned, we booked this last year. And now we booked a bunch of Airbnbs towards the end of last year. But this was like October of last year before and we And you were left. just like, I want to have one place that I'm so excited about. And we this, didn't know we would find the Dock House yeah. from Ireland. We didn't know we would find... The Valley Bunyan Beach yeah. House. Like, we didn't Lagunini know. Loft. The Lagunini Loft. Like, Villa we, Pauletta. Like, we have now found so many fun places that we have memories from that we can't remember them because mm -hmm. that's how this happens when you're doing full-time travel life is they all run together. But this place, it it was such an interesting experience. So we get into Rye. We pull it to the house, which is kind of in like a weird area. Rye is very much like a small, think of like a very touristy town, but not in a bad way. It's just a very popular town. There's lots of art galleries, there's lots of restaurants, small streets. Like it's just very adorable and charming. Mm -hmm. But like the house is just nestled like right in the middle. Like it's there's just literally off the high street. Like yeah. it's one street back. Basically. Also, for those of you who don't know, a high street is Main Street in the U.S. Right, Main so it's a high street uh, here in the U.K. because we're so European now. Um, <laughs> so we we park, and I I have this moment where I remember the photos from the listing and it's just like you think like designer beautiful amazing photos and i'm looking around where we parked i'm like this looks like no one has taken care of the outside of this place and yeah, this is our most expensive the place concrete is like cracked and there's like tons of overgrown grass coming out and we're like this is interesting but then we went back and looked at the listing photos and it did it, look like it that it's the same and i i sent the host a message like halfway through our stay and I was asking them a question. I was like, I just want to ask about like the front. And they were like, oh, we just really follow the like David Attenborough of just like let it grow. Like that's, yeah. and I was like, oh, okay. okay. Maybe in the description of the Airbnb, like let people know. Because I, I pulled up and I thought like, has no one stayed here for months? Like mm -hmm. that's what it felt like. It I wonder if it's also like bringing an American sensibility of what we're used to of like the perfectly manicured yes. lawn and the landscaping that or whatever. very much and, it. And here it's just more like you know, overgrown cottage and like plants and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And I, I didn't mean to say it as it was a negative. It mm -hmm. was just a juxtaposition to what I expected right. when we pulled Expectation up. Expectation not meeting reality and you having a curiosity of like why that is. But then you walk inside and this place was so cool. So definitely going to add a link to this place in the description in the show notes. So you'll be able to check it out yourself and you can bulk at the price per night or you can be like, mm, that's kind of what I expected when you were talking about it. Uh, but no, it's more expensive than you're thinking. Well, I don't know. Now that you've said that, maybe not. But anyway, it was a very interesting place. I'm, I'll put it this way. It, I'm, I was not mad that like once I stayed in there one night, especially at that point in our trip, because I was, my really, eyes were, yeah. that was the worst, like yeah. the worst stretch of it. Um, I was so happy to just be in a place, especially coming from like the Waddington place, which is not our favorite. I was happy to be in a place where I felt comfortable and like inspired and, and lovely. So after the first night, I was not mad that we paid that at all, especially because it was like one year ago us. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say, if you just ask me point blank, do I think this place is overpriced? Yeah. I would say yes. Yeah. And that's just because Rye is a very touristy area. Like yeah. it's just, they can and charge listen, that. They can charge that because we paid for it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, also, oh, one fun fact. So uh, when you check out the photos and you see uh, like the kitchen with the stainless steel uh, island and like the big open living room with the metal beam and like the dining room table with all the wood and just the fun layout of everything, just beautiful place. The hilarious, and I love these little moments in Airbnbs when you find them. So I'm going through all the cabinets, like looking through all the stuff. Do you remember what I'm going to say? Yes. So uh, we showed up. There was a bottle of champagne waiting for us with a little card that a says, handwritten card. Yeah, Jason and Caroline, Hope like you welcoming your, you and your family and friends. Like it's like a little generic, but like that's okay. Like we get yeah, it. Yeah, we get it. So I'm opening but we're all like, the oh, cabinets. Nice. And I, I get to one cabinet and I go, hey, Carol, check this out. And she walks over and you see six <laughs> bottles of champagne and six pre written, handwritten notes. 
sitting there waiting for all the next guests. It's like you saw like, you know, outside the frame that you weren't supposed to see. Like you saw the behind the curtain moment. And uh, we deduced that this is normally a cabinet that like probably the cleaners lock. Should be locked. It should be locked. It had a lock on it. It was unlocked. We didn't like unlock it or anything. And it was just a funny moment of being like, like, you know, when you get that bottle of of champagne that it's not for you specifically, but you're, you can feed into the delusion. But when you see the 12 (laughs) other bottles, you can't as easily feed into the delusion. And I really love like I just took a moment because it was hilarious. I just read all the notes out yeah. loud. It was like to Nicole and Steve. I hope you have a wonderful <laughs> to the Jazerowak family. I hope you have a great and it was just this moment where I was just dying and it was just like when are you gonna have that type of moment yeah. in life? And and now we get to remember forever. So uh yeah, Rye was a pretty short stay. It was just a long weekend basically. Mm-hmm. Uh we did walk around the town, we went to some of the restaurants. Uh I think you were feeling still a little squirrely, so we didn't do too much. Yeah, I remember because I was like I had that day where I was feeling better and then I looked at my computer and it really messed me up. And then, and then I was feeling a little bit better and I said, let's go for a walk. And then 30 minutes into the walk, it really messed me up. So I just was, I couldn't kind of get my eyes back to a place where they were fully rested and it really bummed me out. And then the day that we were leaving Rye, we had that one of those weird days where we could, we had to check out at like 10 AM and we couldn't check into like 3 PM to the windmill and they were only like 30 minutes minutes away. away. So we had to kind of like, be in a coffee shop and um, go to a like drive and restaurant. And like that day was so hard on me. Yeah. Like it just, I, 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 all I wanted was to be resting somewhere, watching something so that my eyes could just chill out. And we were doing lots of things yeah. with stimulus. And input. I think two things to that, like one, if you're a traveler who doesn't deal with the type of anxieties that you do, like you could easily just go like see a castle somewhere 30 minutes away yeah. and like waste that time and it'd be easy. Or, I think if we were doing this trip and we weren't traveling for a full year, we could have done something like that, you know, but it's just like when you have a full year of travel, the days where you have the time gap between you're like, Oh, well, and juxtapose to me, it just highlights like truly the difference in my capability when I'm like sort of in the middle of like a flare up with my eyes or my anxiety versus when I'm just baseline me. Because for example, you know, we won't talk about it this episode, but like we had a long drive to this place that we're in currently that would have been atrocious on yeah. me. And I handled it like a champ and it was really because did. I had been rested and it was because my eyes weren't flared up and it was because I'm just like normal me. Yeah. But to me, this year has actually been really good in showing me the difference of how I can handle situations when my capacity is depleted versus when it's full. Because when I can see that difference, then I have so much more compassion for myself when my capacity is depleted because I go, this isn't an inherent brokenness in me or a lack of strength in me or anything like that. This is just a temporary situation where I don't have all my faculties or strengths within me and that's okay and I can't control that. I just need to accept what I can do in this moment and know that if I give myself time to rest, I'll be back to myself in no time. Yeah. So So, uh, we did make it uh, that break to our next Airbnb, which, like I mentioned, was Caroline's favorite of the year. I think this one definitely falls falls in my top five, Uh but it's not my number one for sure. However, I will say... If you were to t- like ask me what is the most unique Airbnb yes. that you stayed in this year, I think it gets the number one it's spot for that. It's because our ratings, we have different values yeah. in our ratings. Yeah. To me, I'm rating it because for an Airbnb experience, yeah. a place where you're not going to live full time, but like you just want an experience and a trip and a place you'll never forget, to me, it's the most magical. Definitely. Your rating system is much more, could I live here full yeah. time? It, where do I feel the most comfortable? And is it cool? Like it's still is it like, cool? is it cool? Does it feel inspiring? But this was just like magical 
to the max to me. And I wasn't so sure at first. I went in with low expectations because again, I'm, I'm in like a little bit of a hard moment and I'm coming to it and I'm thinking it's going to be dark. It's going to be creaky. Yeah. Those of you who have been around since the tattoo in the South of France will remember I, I was getting strong tattoo vibes yep, in the yep. photos. And I was so, like, so what is this place? So this place is an old windmill 1800s from the 1800s that at some point lost its wings yeah lost its blades (laughs) Um, so it's just like the structure of the windmill and picture like a cone like an upside down cone without like the pointy part at the top it's sort of chopped up cone just a cone oh yeah that's right yeah just a cone yeah an upside down cone an ice cream cone is, oh. is that way, and it's the opposite of an ice cream. It's, think traffic cone, not ice cream cone. Okay, cool. Cool? Nice. Podcasting. Um, <laughs> so it's a traffic cone, but with the top kind of chopped off and yeah. flat. It doesn't have wings. Yeah. But Again, it's the link will be in the show notes so you can check it out. Beautifully restored. Yes. It was used at some point during like World War II, II yep. um, for American and Canadian soldiers. Um, for something. Some, yeah. They, they, yeah. I think they traced it back. Because the people have like etched in like writing in the wood and stuff. Yep. And so the outside is all refurbished. It has this beautiful wraparound deck. And then the magic of it also is the host, Claire, and her like, well, I don't know her partner. But they have planted over the course of eight years like this amazing outdoor space. Yeah, there's this beautiful garden that just has all these different areas. She, all these different areas. Yeah. She has a wildflower garden. She has a vegetable garden. She has geese. Yep. She has a tiny pond. She has an art she shed yeah, in the back yeah, yeah. where she hand paints wallpaper for her grandchildren. Like so it good. is just magic to the max. She has an entire like um, archway tunnel basically of wisteria. wisteria that blooms. It wasn't in bloom when we were there, but it's just the vines were beautiful by themselves. It's literally just magical. Yeah. And then the windmill itself inside is so thoughtfully designed. It's just like the most charming little, the first, it's like three floors. So the biggest, obviously think of a traffic cone. The <laughs> bottom floor is the biggest and it has the kitchen to one side where you can look out over the garden. It has a little love seat um, and a dining table. A hilariously small TV. Hilariously like, small TV. They're it? like, just don't watch yeah. me. And then you go up basically this like treehouse stairs, like a, like a sort of curve. Think of it curving around the side of the windmill. Um, and then you go up to the second floor, which is the bedroom. And you have this like cute, very comfortable bed. Yeah. And a Full little king size bed. There are plenty of Airbnbs we've stayed in that are homes that have smaller beds than this place. Had. And a little sink, which I thought was thoughtful because at night when you brush your teeth, you don't yeah. have to go all the way up to the third floor, which you have to literally go almost on a ladder to get to the third. It's a spiral floor. staircase. Yeah. This. Yeah, the staircase up to the third yeah, floor but is I'm a spiral staircase. It's, it's like more, it's just rungs in a spiral yeah, staircase. Yeah. The other one was at least like full stairs. Yeah. So then you get up to the top and then is the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful clawfoot tub by the window, a toilet, a sink, and then a beautiful glass shower on like the top level. Like a modern level. glass shower. Like a modern shower. glass shower yeah. with like hex tiles on the floor. Yeah. Anyway, it was just total magic. And it was so, I thought it was going to be really hard because my eyes were at their worst, but it was so restorative to just like be there uh, watch the sunsets over the garden, do a little bath. Like it was so lovely. Yeah, it was definitely lovely. Claire was also lovely. I mean, there were so many little touches around the place as well, just like handmade or homemade bread mm-hmm. and just some vegetables from the garden. And yeah, it fresh was just eggs from fresh the eggs from the chickens. Yeah. She brought eggs over one day and they were warm. And I was like, <laughs> well, that's kind of weird. Like those just came out. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a very, 
impressive Airbnb, mm -hmm. especially thinking about the tattoo, which I would like kind of put these two in like a similar place because they're older, they're renovated, they're, you know, they had this charming. whole, this whole charming vibe, but like one very much thoughtful and guests are going to stay here. Mm -hmm. The other one is, this is an antique shop that you can sleep in. Yeah. And so it was just very different and the windmill was amazing. So again, check out the links in the show notes if you want to poke around those two places and that will wrap up the Pramvel for this week. Next week, uh, next time we do a Pramvel, we'll kind of take you through the end of our time in the UK uh, and then getting into the uh, scouting trip in Portugal. Right, which we already told you all about on the Portugal episode. Well, we told you that we're moving to Portugal. We didn't tell you about the scouting trip. Oh, that's you know, true. So true, true the true. specifics. Uh, all right, so let's get into this episode. So we are going to talk about tiny things that help our relationship. So I thought this would be a fun episode because the other day, Jason and I were doing something... And he said one of our like key phrases in our relationship, I think you were like, what are, where are you at on the hardship scale? Yeah. And we'll get into that. But I was like, oh, you know, there's all these little unique phrases, keywords, uh, processes, for lack of a better word, that we have in our relationship to make things go more smoothly. And I just thought people might find that interesting to know, like over the years, what are these little things that we've implemented that help us communicate and help us not get stressed out at each other. And so I thought we'd do a whole episode on them. Um, before we get into it, a couple of disclaimers that I wanted to lay down. Sure. Be for Especially for all of our episodes where we talk about relationship stuff. I am not telling you that we have relationships figured out. I am not telling you that we have the secret to a happy marriage. I am not telling you that we know how to have a good relationship. I just think it's fascinating to share about relationships and since relationships are arguably one of the things that you spend the most time in your entire life, you know, engaging in, I think it's helpful to maybe pick up a little, a, a few things that other people do that maybe you can bring to your own relationship that might make it better or that might make your communication better. So that's all I want to do in this episode is just let people in and take what might be helpful. And if it doesn't work for your relationship, that's fine too. Yeah. And we get so many questions about what it's like to work together full time, what it's like to travel together full time now, you know, just how for 12 years we've continued to make this relationship work through and spend 95% of our time together, 99% this year. A lot year. of big changes traveling, like moving across the country and selling everything we own and like just being weirdos. Mm -hmm. So you want to start with where you at on the hardship scale? Yep. So these are, I don't know how many do we have, like seven or eight or 10. So, but these are just like little things that we've picked up over time to basically help us run more smoothly as a yeah. couple. So let's start with, okay. where are you at on the hardship scale? Just today, where am I yeah. at? Hmm. In this moment, I'm at like a five. So, and this is a fun thing for everyone to learn as I had to learn as I would ask this question. Five is like Carol's baseline. Yeah. Yeah. Never below five. Well, I think at now having traveled to full time, I think I could get to below a five if we stayed in like for a month in one place. Yeah. I would be like, oh, I'm at a three. And like that maybe would be our like, new home in Portugal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was feeling at a three a couple of days there. Okay. Um, but okay. So what this is, I mean, this started out, especially after my really dark time with anxiety in 2019, I created like a, an anxiety scale to show it was like a physical <laughs> scale, a scale, slider yeah. that I could do in my art studio, in my office to show Jason like, okay, today my anxiety is at a nine or today my anxiety is at a five. And so he could kind of engage with me based on 
whatever, like where he knew I was coming from in terms of how hard things would be for me. And be, this year during travel, we've kind of adapted that to just the hardship scale yeah. because it could be anxiety, but it could also be like my eyes or it could also be like, I'm tired because we've been moving around. Um, I'm anxious because of uncertainty, all these different things. So it kind of just lumps it together in where you at on the hardship scale. And also if you listened to our um, are you playing life on hard mode? Yeah. Podcast episode, it kind of relates to that. Yeah. And I'll just say from my side, it, it's been really helpful as the person who doesn't deal with as many daily hardships mm -hmm. to when you just want your partner to feel good, to understand, oh, okay, you know, like what does Caroline need from me mm -hmm. today? And again, like we talked about in the Are You Playing Life on, on Hard Mode episode, I often wake up thinking, I feel good. Caroline's going to feel good. Yeah. I don't wake up thinking, oh, like she probably had an anxious night going to sleep last night because we had our coaching session and it was really long. She's really exhausted and blah, blah, blah. And she's, she's going to need more compassion. That's not how my brain works. Mm -hmm. My brain just works like, it's time to get up. Let's do coffee. Let's get into things. Here comes Carol. She's doing great. And, yeah. and instead, I need to understand where you're at so then I can go, oh, okay, it's not going to be a day where we're getting a lot done and I just need to have more empathy for you. Or, oh, okay, it is going to be a day where we get more done and like I can maybe bring up more things than I, you know, that I wanted to mm -hmm. and we can work through those things. Mm -hmm. But it helps me just to gauge how am I coming at the relationship exactly. today. And I think it's so powerful because it makes the invisible more visible. So even for you, for example, with your asthma that you've been dealing with more recently, I'll ask you, it's not necessarily where you're on the hardship scale, but I'll say, where's your breathing at? And so you'll be able to give me a number one to 10. So then I know what level of concern that I need to Cause otherwise apply. you're just at a 10. Otherwise I'm at a 10 yeah. of concern all the yeah. time. And that's not an effective use of my resources either. And so if you're able to be like, Oh no, no, no. Like it's at a, you know, a like I'm fine right now. And so you can apply the number to that. And it's really helpful because I go, he's not going to show me on the outside how he's feeling on the inside. So this number scale allows the invisible to become more visible and tangible so that we can both engage with each other in a way that meets whatever the other person needs in that moment. Yeah. And I so. think, I think this would be a great one for anybody who's in a relationship with someone who deals with maybe a little bit more things. They're a highly sensitive person, whatever works for you. If it's an anxiety scale, a hardship scale, or even think about like, if you're a new mom, like this would be really powerful to be like, where you're on the heart. Like if you're going through a hard season of life and you have to be extra communicative with your partner because you're going to have more needs than your normal baseline. I just think it's really powerful. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about, uh, you want to go into like yeah, a the second one. really big stressful process. So, um, one of the things that we have learned over the years, especially when we're taking on like a big challenge, whether it's a big business move, a big life move, starting to travel full time, or like what we're working on right now, which is this very stressful process of applying for a visa in another country. And so much of it is all about nothing is in your control. You don't know this process or system and you have to go through all of the red tape of bureaucracy and all and that stuff. And there's so many moving parts. Yeah. So it's like, there's bank accounts and there's papers and there's passports and there's middle uh, names that are missing from so many and things. there's dates and there's requirements. And yeah. so there's like so many moving parts. And we have found that when we're dealing with something like a, a group project, as we would say, yeah. when we're dealing with a group project, something that we need to tackle as a team, establishing some like rules 
for lack of a better word, yeah. or some some processes for how we can make that less stressful is something that we do. So I think actually we didn't we didn't do this at the start. And I remember the first day we had a pretty stressful thing happen, like a roadblock immediately. And we both got really tense about it, even though we both said we're gonna enter into this process like not being stressed out. We got stressed. And so we went, remember, and had dinner at the beach bar, and I said, okay. Let's do our thing that we say that we're going to do, which is let's establish some rules for how to make this less stressful. Yeah. And um, so I'll, we'll share with you a couple of those rules Yeah. for the visa process specifically. So the rules are different depending on whatever the thing is. Yeah. Because you're not going to use the same rules for every process. It's you not. Make you have to rules. make up new yeah. ones. So these are our rules for the visa process. Um, first of all, we really like to use keyword phrases yeah. to like trigger us back into the, the right mindset. So when you're tackling paperwork or whatever, it's easy to get so stressed out and so like you're afraid to do anything wrong yeah. and you come at it from this mindset of like, if I take one wrong step and it kind of, rem you just take it so seriously that it makes it stressful. So our keyword is Donkey Kong country, Donkey Kong country. <laughs> and that is a game that we both can relate to from yep. our childhood. Yep. But the idea for that keyword is to trigger this mindset of like, it's just a game, mm -hmm. even though we know it's not a game, but like it brings this lightheartedness to it of like, this isn't stressful. We're both figuring it out as we go. So that's our reason for saying that keyword is like what it means when we, when one of us says that is like, Hey, take a deep breath, yeah. relax. Remember that we both are navigating this level together we're just trying to get I'm bananas Diddy Kong, and balloons. I'm Diddy Kong, you're Donkey Kong. Yeah. We're just trying to get some bananas and balloons. Trying to shoot around in barrels. Okay. Like it's, it doesn't need to be that we're signing Life our lives death. away yeah. and that this can never be undone, you exactly. know? And so, yeah, I think it's just really to lighten the mood. <laughs> One of the other places we did a similar thing to this was uh, when we were working on Teachery a ton in 2020, mm -hmm. um, it, there just became, especially because you're the designer, so you are doing all the pixel pushing work. I'm the product person, so I'm trying to think through how this all works and like how it's going to be built and all that. And we just came to this a couple times in a row where it's like, we're not having fun doing this. Like mm -hmm. this is, we get to control this entire experience and we have a lot more control in this example. So we just kept coming back to this phrase of free tree. Yeah. And we're like, it needs to be fun and we're working on tea tree and like, let's just be free flowing and let's not get so tense and upset and like at each other when, when we don't see eye to eye. Let's just be a little bit more loosey goosey about this and we'll figure it out. It's not a big deal. And I think that just comes with like, two people who have such strong opinions and feelings and want things to be done a certain way, you tend to get really stuck. And I'm mm -hmm. speaking for myself, especially mm -hmm. you get very stuck in the way that you want to do things. Yeah. And you're afraid of making a decision in the present that's going to negatively infect, like affect things in the future. And I just find that this little like keyword phrase for to shift your mindset is so powerful because it's just a reminder to come back to and approach things in a different way, in a different mood. And and it's also a way of communicating to your partner, hey, this this mood and this vibe is getting to a place that is unnecessarily tense. Let's bring it back to something where we can do this, you know, and be in a better mindset so we can tackle this together. And without it's, also it's, saying that. Without saying that. Because exactly. that can, yeah, that can really. You can pack all of that into this phrase that you both have agreed on. And it's just really helpful for us. So we use free tree all the time. Yeah. We use Donkey Kong country all the time. So pick your own phrase for yep. whatever you're navigating, but that's really helpful. And then also still going to our rules of the visa process. Whenever we get to, like, even if like, let's say Donkey Kong Country is not working and we're still, we're getting kind of like hyped up, uh, Jason will a lot of times like 
interrupt that pattern in order to change the state of our mood. So the other day we were trying to figure something out and doing dates and all these things. And you were like, you go, let's do a silly stop. And I'm like, what is a silly stop? And Jason just makes up on the fly. You got to, he just makes up a stupid game, which is you have to do an entire circle around the kitchen island stomping in a silly way. So not like actually loud, but like stop in a very silly way. So he does a lap. I was just flapping my arms. Just like, you know, I had no control of my shoulders. You're like, it's time for a silly stomp. And I'm like, first of all, that's not a thing, but now it is. And so you did a lap and you did a silly dance. And then I got to do my silly dance. And it's just this way of interrupting the tenseness of a situation with something more lighthearted. And, and sometimes that's all you need to kind of like break that tension and go, Oh yeah. Like Donkey Kong country. This is not, does not need to be this stressful. Yeah. And a lot of times too, a silly stomp in whatever version that might be, like it might just be putting on one of our favorite songs from like the nineties is to do it. The rhythm is going to get you. It really is. Is to do it before you get into the tense part. Right. So like we'll sit down and we know we have like an hour long meeting of something that's going to be intense and a lot of focus and whatever. But at the half hour mark before things get tense, we go, Hey, let's just do like an Amy Grant, Celine Dion, baby, baby. like we need a break. Yeah. And so we'll just play like two songs. We'll sing along. Maybe we'll do a silly stunt. Maybe we'll do a dance. Maybe we'll get a snack. Then we'll come back to it. But instead of just like pushing through and letting the emotions then like build up. And it's just like, again, why? Why do we do this as humans? Like mm-hmm. we just set ourselves up for failure. So yeah, and th- and that's really a theme through a lot of our a lot of these is bringing levity to something that you get to make up the rules. Like yeah. just don't think that like oh to be an adult you have to ha- sit down at the kitchen table and have a serious conversation where you both get really tense about money and finances and all this stuff. It's like just because we saw all of our parents' generation exactly. doing that does not mean that that's how it has to be. Like we can turn on music, we can do a silly stomp, we can we make the rules of how we engage in these like very adult activities. And a lot of times that's just making it more fun. Yeah. Okay. The next one is (laughs) we do this one all the time. Uh, And I think this is especially nowadays because we're traveling. A lot of times we just need recharge time on our, on our own. And so we constantly have our headphones in. We're like watching stuff, doing stuff, but it's the, can you hear me? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So explain this. So this is essentially like, I want to ask Caroline a question. We're both sitting on the couch, but I can tell that she's deep into something uh, I have just been working on something and I want to ask her a question. And it, if I just ask, it's it's very interruptive mm-hmm. and it takes the other person to have to be like, wait, what, are you talking to me? Yeah, because this happens a lot when you're like writing emails. You're writing yeah. emails all the time at your computer. And so I have a spontaneous thought that I really want to share with you about an idea we need to do or, hey, we need to record the podcast or whatever. But if I say, hey, Jason, we need to record the podcast, your focus, you don't even hear me, you know? So instead we have this like key phrase of, can you hear me? And we'll just say it like that. And this does two things. Number one, it does exactly what Jason just said, which means that Jason will say, if he's in mid thought of writing an email, he'll say no. And so then I know I just need to wait until he's done. So he'll finish the email and then he'll go, cool. What, what do you like, what do you need or what let, let, let's talk or whatever. And so then he can share, he can basically say like, I'm available to focus on you now yeah. instead of me saying something three times, him not paying attention to me and me getting upset that he's not paying. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and I think s- just to, yeah. to piggyback on that real quick, it's not about the fact that like writing the email is more important than Caroline. No, 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 no. It's about the fact that like we're both working at a certain time or we're doing a certain thing. And one person is coming 
to the other person with like a whole different energy and a whole different thing. Yep. And the other person's really trying to like finish a task. Exactly. And again, it's not like every task has to be finished and we have to like do everything, but it's just more of a respect of, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm taking the time to like, I'm the one who manages our emails. Like I'm trying to write these emails and just like, give me a moment to finish yeah, so that I don't lose track of what I'm doing. And yeah. then I have to like get back into I think that. it's a respect thing. It's also the person coming to you. Like in, in that case, like just because I had a spontaneous thought doesn't mean that like, like I respect you enough and respect whatever you're working on to not come and just interrupt you and think that I'm, I should be the most important thing in that moment, you know? So it's like just this respect thing. And it also solves the issue of number one, can you hear me? Like meaning, can you focus on me in this moment? But number two, a lot of times we're both wearing headphones and listening to music or listening to a podcast when we make dinner or whatever. And so it solves the problem of like yelling for the other person to hear you. So for instance, if you have headphones in and you're making dinner, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have the podcast on just sometimes you have them in. And so I'll just say, can you hear me? And if he doesn't answer, I know he can't. And then I'm just like, okay, I'll talk to him after he's done like doing the stir fry or whatever Whatever he's doing in there and whatever he's doing. Um, but also, it, yeah, I think it's really great because we do not like to raise our voices and we'll get to, to that later, but like, I don't want yelling in my house. Yeah. And so either, even if it's like innocuous yelling for like, babe, you know, yeah. like we, we just don't do that. And so it's like, can you hear me is just such an effective way to call attention. Yeah. Yeah. I think that one works really well. Uh, and, but it is funny. Like I've noticed this year, I definitely say, can you hear me a lot more (laughs) than I had before? Uh, and I think that's just because we need more recharge time. Yeah. Uh, so the next one is keyword. Yep. So again, so many keywords, like we really have our own little dictionary going here, but this one is more meta in terms of like keyword as a whole. So, um, again, going back to not wanting to interrupt someone's flow of thought, we do, you know, depending on where we are in the world, but we try to do daily walks where a lot of times we're talking about our feelings. We're talking about the day we're talking about, um, this is just like the time that we communicate the most because we're not working and we're not distracted. And so we'll be, we'll be walking and talking and Jason will say something and then that will spur like a thought in my head and I'll go, Oh, and then, and then like, I'll want to interrupt him. But again, goes back to the respect of not wanting to interrupt his flow and his process. And so you'll say keyword. And so what that means is basically like, what's the keyword so that we can come back to whatever your thought is. So I'll say like, uh, and actually now you don't even have to ask. Uh, we, both of us don't have to ask. So like, you'll be talking and then I'll say, Oh, keyword podcast. And you're yep. like, okay, keyword podcast. So then you can keep saying your thought and the same for me. Like I'll be talking and you'll have an idea and you'll want to interrupt me, but you go, Oh, keyword, uh, movies, pharmacy whatever, movies. Yeah. yeah. And so all that means is let's earmark this thought that this spontaneous thought that I just had. And let's like after this, after you finish whatever you want to communicate, now let's jump over to that. Yeah. And I think this is just a really effective way to communicate in relationships where you want to be present for the other person and what they're talking about, but you also want to share the thing that you have, Mm -hmm. but then also just to let the other person know like, Hey, I want to talk about this, but what you're talking about now is the thing I'm, I'm, you know, interested in, uh, because we definitely run into certain times in our relationship. And I do think you do this more than I I do, do. where I'll be saying something Mm -hmm. and then you start to say something and I'll have to go, Hey, Hey. I was legitimately starting to have a conversation with you and you just (laughs) went to a whole different place. It's because that's the way my brain works. I just, I have these like 
urges, these yeah. like thoughts all the time where I'm like, I gotta express this. is why this. we have keyword. We've had keyword for 10 years. Like yeah, you gotta like, you gotta do this. You've for probably the first heard two years us, we didn't, we just yelled. You probably have heard us do this on the podcast too. We'll yeah. do, do this all the time where it's like a uh, keyword. Yeah. We'll um, so that's a fun one. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really effective for not interrupting. If, if interrupting each other is a, a pain point in your relationship, try that one. Yep. Um, okay. So another one that we've used a lot this year is assigning roles for an activity before the activity. So, and probably, you know, we don't have kids yet, but I I imagine this is very helpful with kids, for example. But for us, an example would be checking out of an Airbnb, which we do a lot these days. Um, And so every Airbnb is different. And so, you know, it's like, who does the, and so what we'll do is the night before, so we're not doing it at 9am when we have to check out at 10, the night before we'll look at like, what do we need to do? And we'll be like, okay, who does what basically? So then I know, okay, I'm going to do the dishes and I'm going to pack up my stuff and Jason's going to do the trash and we're going to do the keys together and then we're going to be gone, you know? And so what it does is it because those decisions have been made when you have a little bit more faculties and you're not pressed for time in the moment, it cuts down on so many disagreements and like yeah, it cuts down tension. On the, yeah. It cuts down on the stress, especially of like the checking out of an Airbnb is a perfect example. Like it is just a stressful thing when you're trying to like corral everything and we don't even have kids. But the other thing that it does is it avoids resentment mm-hmm. because in the morning I could see the fact that I do more stuff in the morning before we check out besides just packing my bags and taking out the trash and you're only doing the dishes and packing your bags. But now I'm also like collecting the towels and I'm doing all this and I'm straightening all the furniture. I'm doing all that. But like we've agreed upon it. Mm-hmm. And I've told you, you know, in some cases the night before, if we're, maybe we're in a bigger place or whatever. I'm like, Hey, could you also help me do this? Mm-hmm. Like that, that's just the night before checking out of an Airbnb specifically, it helps. But I think this is definitely one of those things that as we have kids, it's going to be so important for us because we are so we're such a couple that wants to play fair all the time with mm-hmm. each other. And so having these conversations can be helpful. And one we've already started having is about changing diapers. And it's mostly just because like I really don't like my hands being dirty. <laughs> and like, like it's a thing. It's just like like picking up our dog Plaxico, rest in peace. His poop was like one of my least favorite activities of all time because just the chance that my hand could touch poop just was miserable for me. But for you, I'm not saying you liked it, but you just cared less. Like it doesn't bother you as much. And so it's one of those things where I'm like, what if we just nip this in the bud early on? Like I'm obviously going to change six to eight diapers in the first year. (laughs) I plan to do... Uh, maybe nine. We are going to bring this conversation whenever that day comes to the podcast. And don't worry, we're going to have a renegotiation. The the part of that for me is then, well, what am I doing to help out? Like what makes it fair? Yeah. And it's not that everything needs to be so like transactional like that, like a negotiation. But I do think like when you are running a household together and everything is a group project, it just the fact that you can have those conversations and each person can feel like they are getting like their domain aligns with what their skill set is or what they want or what they dislike, you know, like right now I do the dishes at night, every night. And it's because I don't mind. And it's because Jason does so many more things quantity wise, but like he doesn't like to do the dishes. So I do the dishes. And so it's just like every couple I think has to navigate those negotiations for themselves, but deciding ahead of time and and putting time aside to have that conversation can be so helpful because the expectations are clear. Yeah. 
Also, right. the diaper thing, we are definitely going to renegotiate that. I'll do 10 diapers <laughs> in the first year. So that's less than one a month. Thank Ooh. you. I mean, if you can convince me that you, that like. I asked you, I said, what, what's the thing you want me to do? And you said, clean all the like bottles and stuff. No, I was just throwing things out there. That's what you said. I have it written in terms. It uh, is very telling to me that you, I thought that was just like a fun throwaway conversation. And you're like, oh, no, 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 we decided. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's because you caught me on a good day with the diaper thing, but we're going to renegotiate. Again, I have it written in uh, pen and ink. Remember in the beginning of this when I said we are not experts on like a perfectly yeah, 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 yeah. well-oiled yeah. relationship? Yeah. You're getting that real time. Yeah, if we keep podcasting into when we have kids, you you all are going to really enjoy those things, I think. That's going to be conveniently parents. when the podcast like, oh, it's the oh, end of the yeah. podcast. Just wrapping it up. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about over communicating during an activity that's hard, like driving. Yeah. So this is another one I noticed. Uh, you can tell communication is like the pattern here. What's happening? What oh, was my that? Hand is sweaty. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I was like, why are you blowing on your hand? Because my hand. Does just... that help? Oh yeah. It just like dries your hand. No, really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't have sweaty you hands. Don't have sweaty I wouldn't hands. know. Yeah. Um, it's just so, hot. We turned the fan off so there wouldn't be any noise. Yeah. I'm, I'm this is, I think this probably relates to the where you're out on the hardship scale thing, but like knowing that you're engaging in an activity that is maybe going to be stressful or hard, communicating more than you might. So yeah. our, my example for that is like driving. Driving is an activity that can very quickly turn south because of a couple of things. We're very different drivers. Yeah. I have driving anxiety. Jason feels very confident behind the wheel, which means if it was up to you, you'd go faster. You would go more aggressively. Nice. You'd be fast and furious. Nice. And I'm you. just furious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and you'd so, be slow and furious. I'd be slow and furious. And so the way that we have found to get through that in a much better way is just to over-communicate. So I'll say things like, instead of being like so tense and like, let's say Jason doesn't slow down. There, let's say we're on a highway People are braking in front of us. It's a very accelerated uh, brake thing. And instead of like <gasps> gasping or being like, you know, all tense because I don't think he's going to slow down fast enough, I'll just say, I'll kind of keep my comments to myself the first time. And then I'll <laughs> say, hey, I'm just feeling a little bit like you're not braking fast enough in front of that car. Do you mind keeping more? Do you mind braking earlier? Yeah. That's what I'll say. And it just, it takes a little extra effort. But just oh, instead of like trying to make my gasps and my tenseness and my body language communicate that for me, I'll just use my words. Yeah. And I think the other thing to mention here is that over time with your binocular vision dysfunction, that is a symptom of it, which right. is that you have a hard time judging distance. Right. And so especially in the car, as cars are slowing down in front of us you have a much harder time of understanding, oh, we have enough time to slow down. Right. Whereas my brain is already seeing like, yeah, We're I'm seeing, fine. And, and don't get me wrong. There are certainly times when you're like, hey, did you see those brake lights? And I'm like, no, I was literally looking at sheep. Like that, you know, when you're driving <laughs> right. in the UK, like I'm, I'm distracted looking at sheep. sheep. But there are so many times when we're on the highway where I clearly see that we need to slow down. And I know that I can slow down fast enough, but your vision is telling you we have less space than I probably am perceiving. So yeah, that's helpful. And then I think the other thing for me that I've learned is just, especially, you know, when you're having, well, I think this is just all the time is like, I just let you know when I'm going to pass a truck or when we're on like a single lane road or a two lane road and you need to pass somebody on the opposite incoming oncoming traffic lane. I just let you know ahead of time instead of just doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think those are two things that really help you because you don't know what's going on in my head and you're very nervous when we're driving at all times. And so it just helps you to go, oh, okay, I'm going to prepare for the fact that we're going to speed up to go around a car and we're going to, you know, make this move. Yeah, that's really helpful. And I think we've gotten a lot better at driving as a team. 
I think so too. I mean, it definitely has tested us in all these roads in Europe and will continue in Portugal. Although we will say, I think we mentioned this in the Portugal episode, the roads in Portugal Fantastic. are so great. Mm-hmm. Okay, moving right along. Uh, key question. Yeah. Do you want me to listen or do you want me to help? I do not. There's probably some relationship expert that came up with this for the first time. I'm sorry. I don't know their name. We learned this from a friend who probably learned it from someone else. But this is a key and crucial question when let's say someone is having a crisis or a hard day or something and they're venting. And so the other partner who's trying to bring support and I think... I will not to genderize this, but I do think men probably have a a harder time with this because on the whole, I think the idea is that you're supposed to fix it. And so let's say I'm complaining to you and I'm saying, Oh, this happened. And then uh, I got this email and blah, blah. And and then your response would be, do you want me to listen or do you want me to help? My response would be, you checked email. (laughs) (laughs) So by him asking that it's so crucial because a lot of times it's like, no, I just want someone to be here with me and like witness this feeling that I'm having. I just want you to, to allow me this space to feel my feelings. I don't need you to fix it. In fact, a lot of times if you, if I need to vent and you come at me with solutions, it feels like you're dismissing my feelings. Yeah. And I also, you know, not, not as many times as you, I think just in like the nature of how we operate in the world, but I have brought stuff to you and you've, brought back a fix and I've been like, uh, I don't want that. And so I have actually understood what that feels like from your side of like, I, I don't need this to be fixed right now. I'm just frustrated and I want to share this with mm-hmm. you. And so I think that does help. And then I, I think the other thing that has really helped and I, did we hear this from a podcast or something, but just this phrase of how can I best support you right now, um, has been really helpful for us because especially, and again, going back to like who I am in the relationship and who Caroline is, I'm the very non-emotional I don't, I don't always have a ton of empathy. I don't know the right thing to say or do. And a lot of times you need a lot more care. And you yeah. Need a and lot to more be fair thought. to you, I have a very complex and rich emotional landscape. And yeah. so it's really hard to know what I need. And it's not even about you. I'm just yeah. saying, especially in a relationship when the people are polar opposite in their empathy, emotion, et cetera, mm-hmm. this is super helpful because I can ask this question And again, like it goes back to the thing of like, well, just shouldn't, you know, like she's an emotional person, like have more common sense that she needs more emotion. But I don't think that way. Like, it's like, it's like telling a computer to do a problem that it doesn't and has never seen before and can't do, you Mm -hmm, know? And it's mm -hmm. like, you have to keep showing it over and over again. Like, you got to figure this out. You got to figure this out. Yeah. And I, I don't always know what I need. So it's a good question to ask because then it gives me an opportunity to check in with myself. So like, yeah, this example too, like it surprised me because I didn't know this was going to be the answer and you're going to tell in a second, but like, I was like, Oh, I wouldn't have thought that you needed that. Yeah. So the, the example he's referring to is, um, and it coincides well with this episode, but when we were in the windmill, my, beautiful and wonderful grandmother, Betty, who is 97 years old and lived (laughs) the fullest of full lives. Um, and truly when people say like, she's an inspiration to me, she's an inspiration to me. Um, but she, she passed away. And, um, like I said, she lived 97 wonderfully full years, but it was still sad because I, um, you know, we had chats every single week for the past two years, starting in the pandemic, we would FaceTime every week. And so she wasn't just my grandmother. She was my friend. She was more my friend than my grandmother actually. And so I, you know, had to grieve, even though I knew that this was happening and I knew it was probably happening soon. Um, there was still grief there, of course. And so after I found out, I got off the phone and Jason and I talked about it for a little while. And then... And it wasn't a surprise either. So it, that was exactly. It wasn't a surprise. And so um, 
but you know, I was feeling this like range of emotions and Jason said like, how can I best support you right now? Like, do you want me to be with you? Cause I said, I, I think I want to go outside on the deck and just sit for a while. And so I just like watched the sunset and just like sat and felt my feelings and I cried and like, it was great. But Jason was like, do you want me to come out there with you or do you need to be alone? And I said, I think I just want to be alone. And so it was him asking, how can I best support you? That allowed me to check in with myself and go, I I do think I just really want to be alone with my feelings and have just some privacy to feel that range, which isn't always my answer. Like, of course, which is why I think it's good to continue to ask these questions. Exactly. Especially any of these are questions just over and over again throughout time. So that, that one is helpful for us, especially like Jason said, when we're coming from two polar ends of the emotional spectrum. Yeah. Um, the next one is just a phrase that we use when we're sharing feelings with each other, especially when we're sharing feelings with each other of maybe like how the other person did something that like hurtful is a very strong word, but like that said something or did something that like hurt our feelings or or made us feel some type of way. But if we want to share that with the other person, it's hard because if you're sharing that you want to share how you felt, but like it can very quickly turn to the other person getting defensive because it can feel accusatory. Like you hurt me on purpose, which is never like we have an understanding that I, I know that you're never hurting me on purpose or you're never, you know, like that's an understood trust. So if I'm sharing something with you that like something you said made me feel a certain way, it's not because I want you to think that I think you hurt me on purpose. It's just because I need to share with you what's happening on in my emotional landscape. And so a phrase that we use often is, Hey, don't take this as a criticism. We'll say that a lot. Or like, this isn't a criticism of you, Yeah. but when you said, you know, or, but when you do X, Y, and Z, or when you said X, Y, and Z, it made me feel this way. And by hearing that simple intro to that phrase, like it doesn't always work, yeah, but it sometimes can, it definitely, it puts you on edge that it feels like it's going to be a criticism but you know from the other person's perspective, they're really trying not to make you feel bad. Exactly. And I think that's the key. Because the I think key. in relationships, there are just times when you want the other person to feel bad. Because they've done something that's hurt you. They've done something that made you not feel good. Right. And not so saying that that's a good thing, but it's no. just an, an unconscious thing that you're doing. Yeah. And so this becomes a way of like, I really don't want you to feel bad. But just I need you to know that you did this thing and it made me feel this way. Yeah. And it, and it can be helpful because it can be like, oh, okay. I It's a... It's a clue to me to basically pause and wait for my first defensive reaction to pass so that I can receive what they're saying and I can focus more not on how it makes me feel that I I need to defend myself and more on my partner is sharing something with me and I want to hear it. And I think nine times out of 10, it really does it's, it sets you up to have like this armor on that you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that wasn't that bad. Like it kind of bounced off me what you said. Yeah. As opposed to just like, you saying a thing and then being like, like, I didn't have any armor on. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, all right. Just a few more here. So another phrase that we use a lot is I'm spent. This is we. Okay. Another phrase that I use a lot. (laughs) That's not to make you feel bad. That's not true. You remember when we did the drive here and you said, Oh yeah. You said I'm spent. That was the first time this year where I was just like more tired than Caroline and just had no energy. So (laughs) put that on the board. But, um, this one is just a phrase to say basically like I'm at the bottom of the barrel Yeah. and it just means like, Hey, I don't have any of my normal, like literally it's the phrase that means I'm not going to use any of the things on this list because I don't have the patience to communicate in an effective way. So please don't take anything that I do or say (laughs) this next little bit personally. And for me, it just means like my few, I'm at the end of my fuse. Yeah. And what's really interesting about 
how we're different in that moment is like for I'm spent, I, I just go like completely shut down mode and like, I'm just, I don't talk. I don't do anything. I'm just, I have nothing left. And like, that's where I exist. I'm like a blob Mm -hmm. where you go is you just have no filters. Yeah. So like, you'll still talk, you'll still do things, but there's no filter to cut through things. And so it's just, it's, it's different the way that we, yeah, it presents very impatient and irritated. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's good to know because I'm like, oh, okay. Like she's not actually mad at me for whatever this exactly. thing is. She just has no resources left. Yeah. And for you to know the one time this year, I'm just a blob. Leave me alone. Right. He's not ignoring me. He just, he's spent. He literally has nothing left. So yeah. So we'll say I'm spent and that's, yeah. that's a good one. And oh. also I hope this doesn't come off as me criticizing Caroline for oh. having less ability to do hard things this year or less energy or less ability to work through the tough things that you go through. It's more just to share the reality of yeah. how we operate differently in the That's world. That's very sweet That's of all. you, but I yeah. do not take it as a criticism because yeah, we just have a very pragmatic, I would say our outlook in relationships and maybe this is where we're a good match for each other is very pragmatic. Yeah. That's where we can find common ground is to say like, I'm not hurt by you acknowledging that I have you know, energy limitations. And I need all of these phrases so that we can operate in a relationship. Like I, it's just pragmatic. Like yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. Um, but right, thank so you for saying that. That's sweet. Two more things here. <laughs> so the next one is, uh, one that we <sighs> popped up a couple years ago. Yeah. We, boy, we've tried to solve this problem in all different types of ways. There's like this, this be one, careful. I yeah. need you to be careful. There's like this one recurring thing that pops up that we have not figured out how to specifically, have us both navigate it and it's just your hormone cycle and it's just how, and and then that's not me bringing this up as like a criticism of women and they have hormones and it's none of that. It's the, it does fluctuate and change slightly. So it's not like something we can say on the eighth of every month, Caroline is going to be sharp and she's going to be curt. And that has nothing to do with anything that's going on with me or her. It's just her internal body is doing a thing and her filters are down. But the problem is it's a bit of a moving target. And it's so it's a lot of a moving target. Exactly. And so it's just been this thing over the course of our relationship that we know it's this area of a certain time of month, but it's very hard to know exactly what it, what could be triggering it because there could just be times when I'm being an a-hole well, and, yeah. and it's running into that close time. And so I'll defensively just be like, oh, well, you know, maybe you're in the like cloudy f- part of the thing. And you're like, I'm not in the cloudy part of the yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, thankfully to- you don't use the phrase like, is it that time of the month? I feel uh, like no, that's I extremely that. triggering. But like, Did you think I was going to say that when we started this? No, no, okay. no. But I just think ev- every person knows that that is like the cardinal sin. Like, don't say that. Yeah. But we've developed language that very closely means that. And there is some truth to it because like for the way that it shows up for me, it's just like one week before my cycle starts is always, it's like this one day. It's honestly one day where for me, it shows up in this, like Jason was saying, it basically is like I'm spent, but for the whole day, because I'm irritable. Jason likes to use the word sharp, which I think is a very good word for it. I'm just sharp. Like I just am like, it's not like happy go lucky Caroline. It's like, Anything you do is irritating. Well, yeah, I'll be like, do you want to go get coffee? And you'll be like, why would I want to go get coffee? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, um, I don't know, because it's like a delicious bean that gets roasted and then put in water and like it tastes good. <laughs> and so what? But ha- it's just, it's, it's silly because, <laughs> sorry, my laughing gets the cough going. It's silly because like the next day we can then look back and laugh and be like, wow, that was just like the totally. most innocuous But what's thing. hard, the hardest part, I mean, God, it's been 12 years now. Every month for 12 years. But the hardest part about it is what would happen is 
this is even before I started like tracking anything. So I think that was the hardest time because I just had no awareness of what was happening. Then I started tracking my cycle. It got a little bit easier because I could sort of see it coming. But what would happen is you would say like, Hey, like you're, I'm noticing you're noticing you're being, and then, but in the moment, I would not want to admit that I was like, we used to call it cloudy because my little, like I used to use the clue app and it would show cloudy. I would not want to admit that I was cloudy because to me, that was an admission of like, to me by admitting it, it felt like I was invalidating whatever feelings I had. And anyone who's experienced like hormone fluctuations, you know that like the feelings are real. It's just the amplification of them. And so I never liked to say that I was cloudy because it felt like, oh, you're just going to dismiss any feelings that I have as being that. And and then sometimes you would say it, like I said, where it was like not actually right. around then. And it would really piss me off because I'd be like, no, you just that you can't just like wash everything away by saying that it's that. But then other times I'd be like, no, oh, crap. I'd go look at my calendar and be like, oh, he's right. <laughs> it's the day. <laughs> um, and so we found – so the, the thing that we've been trying lately, which I do think is working. Yeah, I think it is too. Is I'll – I do track now. I just use the health, the cycle tracking app on uh, Apple now because it's like helpful with my Apple watch and stuff like that. I do miss some of the features from Clue. But anyway, I'll track on there and then I will add it to Jason's calendar. Yeah. So I will add each phase. And I really love the the like seasons uh, metaphor. So like, and again, I'm just like, I think I'll get all the hormones wrong. But basically like, you know, the... I mean, you could just do it in the seasons. You don't have to do like... Right. So winter would be like, okay, when you're bleeding. Yeah. And then after that, it would be like spring. And this is when your hormones kind of like pick back up again. And I don't know which hormones or whatever, but the hormone that picks back up is your energy starts to kind of increase again. So that'll be like spring. And then there's like your five to seven days of summer, which is like where you're ovulating, which is like you're on top of the world. You, I I am super (laughs) Carol when I'm ovulating. I am just like feeling myself and I have a lot of energy and I can like handle anything. And so that had to have been the past five days. It was, that's exactly what it was. And then, um, now I'm like, Oh, we should have recorded yesterday, (laughs) (laughs) but, but, and then after that's fall and that's sort of like now your hormone is dipping again. And so you're kind of like going back into that. Again, I'm not a scientist or a doctor. Yeah, you're definitely not a scientist. <laughs> but I have read books and I find it really helpful. And so that's like your fall and then into the winter, right? So I'll put each of those four seasons on Jason's calendar so that he, again, it's just like where you at on the hardship scale. Like he knows when that's coming up so that I don't have to say it in that moment. Yeah. But he can kind of just go like, okay, if she's sharp the next day or so in this little window, it's not about me. It's not about what's going on. Like it is just, it is what it is. It's just like my life and existence has been run through Google calendar forever. And it's just because it works perfectly for my brain. Like Mm -hmm. whatever system works perfectly for your brain, whether you're a journaling person, whether you're Google calendar, Sansana, Notion, like whatever it is, that thing works for me. So putting it in there, my brain can now go, Oh, okay. Like I now know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so it just is a really helpful thing for me that when I, I literally look at it every day that it's on my calendar and I go, okay, where is Carol? Like she, Oh, she's in the fall. So she's going to want to like be a little more comforting. She's going to want to have like more cozy stuff. She's probably gonna have more tea. Uh, (laughs) and just like, she'll probably be a little bit less active, you know, and just Mm -hmm. like not want to do stuff, which is totally fine. Like I, but I just, it's good for me to know that because Again, it is a little bit of a moving target. Like it moves every month slightly and you just well, don't yeah. know. Yeah. And like everyone's, you know, cycle is different, right? Yeah. So it's like. And even there's months when yours are different. Yeah, totally. You know, like there's some months where it's like summer never existed. Spring never existed. We just lived in fall. <laughs> but there's somewhere you're like, oh, wow, this was like a full summer month, you know? And, and I think that 
in those times, it's just really helpful to, again, acknowledge like that that's going on. Mm -hmm. And it goes back again to like, my brain doesn't understand those things. So yeah. All right. You know, and that that's going to be different for every couple, how you deal with that. But for us, that's helped. Let's finish off with the rules of engagement. And we appreciate and hope you enjoyed listening to all these tiny uh, relationship things. And we have one more for you. So this one's probably the most important because it's just like the one that goes through everything. And it's just the rules of engagement when you disagree. And we didn't do this like verbally early on in our relationship, but it just happened naturally. But over time, we've kind of like put words to it. But it just means like, what are the things that you both agree to as a partnership that you will not do even when you're fighting, even when you're disagreeing. And so for us, we, I mentioned it before, but like, we don't raise our voices. I think there's been two times that I can think of when I have like, quote unquote, raised my voice in a argument. And I'm telling, when I tell you, it's like, it's at this level. Pull the mic away if you're going to get loud. <laughs> well, I don't, it's literally at this level. It's like, I wish you would listen to that's yeah. the level of it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We don't yell. We don't slam doors like that. And I'm not trying to pass judgment on other people and how they fight. Like I, that's not what this is at all. It's just the most important thing is that you're on the same page about what, how to engage in disagreements and that you're clear for each other on what is triggering. So for both of us, yeah. yelling is triggering. Yeah. It came from childhood trauma. It comes from childhood yeah. trauma. It is not helpful for either of us because we go to complete trauma response mode and neither one of us can communicate at that point. Yep. So very early on, like we just never raised our voices. Um, we don't name call because those, to me, those are things that you can't take back. And Unless you, they're cute names. Yeah, like, we do like you cute little, <laughs> you little pumpkin pie. Oh, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do that because I do not like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Tried it. Didn't work out. <laughs> Some of these things don't work out. But like, you definitely no name calling. Like, definitely no like, you know, you're so stupid. You're so like none of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's just because you can't take those things back, and that will cause a crack of resentment and contempt that you can never recover from, I think. Um, and then we also try to avoid, I don't know. I think I learned this from like a relationship book or something like that, but we try to avoid you always or you never. And it can be really hard because when you are in a disagreement and it's going to a place where like, Oh, it was this tiny thing. And now we're having a bigger conversation about our relationship. You're, I think the human instinct is to do this extrapolation thing where you go, you always do this. Like you blah, 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 blah. And it's like, when you say always or never, it very much feels like you're telling the other person, this is a core part of your identity that I'm criticizing right now. And it, instead of like, um, you know, dissociating it from the person and saying this action is something that I don't like about the way that we're engaging around this. You're now making it about the person and it's hard to come back from that as well. So we we try to avoid that. And then for us, and again, every couple, I think partnership is different around this, but like for us, it's okay to walk away or to cool down or to take five, but we always try to bring closure to an argument. And I think the walk away or take five, the important note there is it's not a storm off. It's not a, I'm going to go take five and I can't be in this argument. It's like, no, I'm sorry. That's not going to work. Like you're not let we say it is like, you can't leave the table. Right. Like We're, you need to stay at the table. But if we both agree, like, Hey, we've gotten to an impasse here. Let's take a break and let's come back to this because we want to sort this out. That's okay. But it's just, it's just a hard and fast rule. Like you just, you can't leave the table. Like you have to, we have to work on this together. Mm-hmm. And I think we have gotten so good at that over time. And <laughs> I, I can think of a couple times 
uh, maybe not this year as much because we just haven't had time to argue, but it's like in previous times where we run into this like similar impasse in our relationship and then we'll just sit in silence in the same area for like, like five to 10 minutes. Yep, we're at the table. Because <laughs> we're not like, neither of us want to leave, but neither of us know how to solve it in that moment. Yeah. And then we just like take the five to 10 minutes of like awkward silence and then we're like, okay, I think I have a way that we can like work mm-hmm. through this or just like, here's how I, you know, have been thinking for the past couple minutes. And for us, like, I think what that, I'm just sort of unpacking this now, but I think what's so important about that for us is that even if you don't know how to move forward through an argument, the fact that the other person is demonstrating their commitment to the relationship by being, by staying in that, that moment with you it builds trust in the relationship. Even 12 years later, it builds trust in the relationship because as life gets harder, as life gets more complicated, if you trust that the other person is committed to making it work, to me, that's what a foundation of like a strong partnership or marriage, if that's, you know, what what the relationship is for us. Um, It just, it makes me feel so secure in our relationship because I go, oh, I know that Jason's not going to be at a place where he is going to give up on our relationship just when it gets hard because he's demonstrated it to me over and over and over and over again that he's willing to sit in the hard moments with me there. Yeah. Yeah. And so that that's just for us. And again, if you're a type of person that has all different types of triggers and maybe you need to have the flexibility to be able to walk away so that you can feel safe and you can go, you know, re- gather yourself. Like if that works for your relationship, totally, that's great. But for us, I think that value of commitment and demonstrating commitment builds trust. And so that's why those are our rules of engagement. But regardless, I think it's important to set up the rules of engagement so that you're on the same page. Yeah. You fight fair and you fight clean and you fight in a way that makes your relationship better, not worse. We hope you enjoyed those tiny things. Uh, If you have any, you're in a relationship or even you're not in a relationship and you just have ones for yourself, yeah. uh, feel free to send them to us. Just would be fun to hear what works for you. Uh, hello at wanderinggameplay.com. Always curious to hear what resonates. Maybe if you're going to steal any of these, uh, maybe if you've heard them do us, heard them do some of these over the years and you use them in your relationship, let us know what sticks. But that's it. We appreciate your time and being in your ear balls and we'll be back next week. Okay? Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.